It's Truthful Tuesday. I am Courtney Capri, Lady D.U.V., the baddest butch queen and drag MC. Ishkotai! We are here every Tuesday. And you can cash at me at Courtney Capri and Vinmo Courtney Capri. The truth will set you free, 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 Wahona. The truth will set you free, Wahona. Yishkotai! Shakatai Oh, here we go. Boom, pow, Shakatai Yow. It's Courtney Capri, Lady D.U.V., the baddest butch queen and drag MC. And we are here on tonight with a special edition of Truthful Tuesday. It's a special early edition with my niece, Stephanie Calhoun, darling. Hello and welcome. Thank you. Hello, a.k.a. the Mercury, Aria Mercury Experience DuPont. It's me. All the things, all the names, all the titles, but we won't get into it. Let's get into this topic because we're here for it. Okay. Uh, so... From what you've heard thus far, what is what's your uh your 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 thoughts? <sighs> Darling, first of all, my thoughts are all over the place because I'm really I'm really here for. <sighs> let's talk about let's let's jump back into the topic of friends having similar and or the same ideals. Oh yes, shade two. Sorry, no shade to you, Kimber. I just I have a lot of names and it's hard to remember them all. But jumping back into the topic, I have friends and associates and family members where we have a similar chord, but we storm to a different chord. Um, and while our similarities might strengthen us our differences is what bonds us um if it wasn't for us having our differences conversations couldn't take place because they would just conversations wouldn't be conversations they would just be statements if you will um a conversation insinuates hold on i need to i need to set up for this one i need to lubricate real quick before i continue Mm. Oh, we love a good Arizona. Yes, we do. Conversations is when more than one party is conversing on a topic or more than one topic. Therefore, you have competing ideas, you have compelling ideas, you have similar ideas, and you have unknown ideas. Those are the ideas that you never would have thought of or like brought to your own mind and agenda. So, you also won't be able to know who is your friend or who isn't your friend without a conversation. Uh, come on here. Uh, no, I, I mean, look, I mean, I've been here, but let me just say it again for the children. You won't know who is your friend without a conversation because while looking for my friend, I found my enemies. 
enemy of my enemy is my friend only in conversation. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, that, and that's just simply because I don't need a lot of friends to succeed. And jumping back to my comment when I said I categorized everybody two and three, I heard it from, and it's going to sound silly, but it's helped me in my life. And I heard it from Medea when she said, put everybody into the category of a tree. You're the trunk. A, a tree can have a hundred million branches. And a branch can, you know, it can be thick. You can step on it, step out on that branch, and it can hold on to you. You can step out on, you can start stepping on another branch, and it breaks. And that's okay. Some people will break off and they'll die. It's fine. You got people that are leaves that are on one side of the bowl. On one, one season on one side, and they both season on the other season, and they wither away and die. But a tree only needs a couple roots underneath. Once you got some roots, you cool. I've had my roots for about a decade now, <clears throat> and everybody else is starts off as a branch or a twig. Excuse me. Can yeah, some can branch. some roots um fall off? Oh, of course, of course. Okay. Uh huh. That, that that that's just the circle of life. Of course they are. Okay. Because nothing in life is forever. Because that's part of the beauty in life. Is that there is a beginning and there is an end. Yeah, I feel that. Uh, that is why we have to appreciate things in life. Mm-hmm. You know, while, while we have them. Um, and we won't get deeper into that because I don't have the mental capacity for that. It's okay, well, Bob, that's okay because I wanted to jump in and say this about something. I want to uh, clap back to something that uh, somebody said in the comments. Because, um, you know... Um, I try to stay the same no matter what realm I'm in, right? So I am friends with drug dealers. I'm friends with prostitutes, pimps, hoes, Christians, sinners, witches, uh-huh. demons. Jesus was too, and so will I. Right. So I wouldn't be able to shine my light onto those who seem like darkness to them. So, yes, I, 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 I don't always have to do what other people do. I, I hung around drug addicts and never did drugs. So, birds of a feather don't always flock together. I am a dove, and a lot of people don't like to be a pigeon. Um, and this is what it sounds like when a dove cries. Hallelujah. <laughs> There's a question that was posed by Henrietta Felton. Uh, how long is your oldest friendship? My oh, my my oldest friendship, um, it would have to be. I mean, it depends on what the the friendship like. The best friend, my best friend, I've been friends with her for over twenty five years. Uh, I just reunited with um my elementary school friend, um, like the third third grade. And that's over uh, 30 years. Like, right. we just reunited. So, uh, for me personally, two friendships specifically come to mind. Um, what do you mean now? You've always been Henrietta Felton. Get with the program. Okay. Uh, so, uh, friendship with uh, my sister from all misters. Um, I'm, we've been friends. I am, so let the people know I'm 27 years old. 
I will be 28 next month. Her and I have been friends for 23 years. Mm. 23 years. Um, and I, well, we didn't been through everything together. You know, we didn't had our periods of trials and tribulations, not talking, ready to square up with one another once on site if we would have seen each other. Uh, but we just had, we just went in different circles, so it never happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, uh, things happened. Twenty twenty was a really really weird year so far, and we came back together. So she's still she's. Still one of my good friends. And then another one for me would be about 15 years. And the friendship that's 15 years ain't never switched up on me. She ain't never changed her her tone, her energy, her likeness, her attitude, nothing. Have you, have you two ever had conflict? Oh, no. Never? Not, not once. Okay, with that being said, would you ever uh, say or would you agree that uh, in order for a true friendship or a friendship of any kind to be solid, it has to be tested? Yes, uh, we've definitely been tested, but there wasn't conflict. Okay. Uh, Yeah, so uh, the the, the friendship that we're talking about, it, uh, it definitely has not gone without his trials, his tribulations, and his rockiness in it, but it was never, I like to say we've had disagreements, but we've never had full-on arguments, we've never had periods of time where we didn't talk to each other that lasted more than 20 minutes. Okay, so with that um, said, let that, I want to stop right there, so going back to that original question, how did you measure the level of care that your friend had for you, like how did you come to resolution or say oh we need to talk about this before we go further so if we're upset like how did you solve the your problems with your friend uh, so to answer that I think first we need to go ahead and establish that within the first five minutes of us meeting each other we were we had clicked so much and we had meshed so much like I was I could read her mind she could read mine we were finishing each other's sentences and we simply put she was my twin mm-hmm. um and in our friendship as it grew on from that our families agreed that there, we should have been identical twins and we were just born differently so whenever her and i had a conflict and we needed to resolve it it was a whether I initiated or it was her, it was like, look, shut up and listen, and then you can talk. Mm-hmm. While I'm talking, don't say shit. Yeah. And when I say she matches that energy with me, if anything, truth be honest, she intimidates me. And it takes a lot to intimidate me, <laughs> as you may or may not know. Um, and so it was just a listen to me, let me get this out, and then you can respond. And it's the easiest friendship and the easiest connection on this earth and in this lifetime I've ever had. Okay. So, and I ask you that because it just, you know, I get, I can get to talking, but it leads me into these other questions that stem off from these other questions. So, tell me if it's, you know, okay. So, um, before I go any further, how do you identify for the people who are listening and watching? I am a 
27 year old multiracial trans woman of color who is pansexual. I learned something new about you today. The pansexual part? Yes. Uh, I'm glad we're having this conversation and I thank you for being here. It just this is a spare of the moment and um I just feel like at this point in my life I need to really know who who is following me and who I'm following. And I feel like we know each other but we could always know a more about each other. And um so and I I so I appreciate that. Um the reason why I also ask that is because um I wanted to know how you deal with more about what we're talking about, how you deal with conflict resolution amongst friends and how um, your identity, how your identity, be, how did they respect you when it came to your identity? And is that important? Is I, letting people know your identity important? And if so, how, why? Okay. All right. So we got three, three things. So we're going to break it down. Okay. When um, conflict resolution with my friends, um, I feel like if I call you my friend and if we're conversing as friends, we have a mutual respect for one another that I'm gonna let you say your piece. I'm gonna say my piece. And then together, we gonna get, we gonna find that means to this end. Mm -hmm. The end to this means, if you will, excuse me. Mm -hmm. Um, And, Again, if you are my friend and we are we are on that level, you know that you can talk to me about anything, regardless of how you feel that I may or may not react. You still gonna say your feelings because your feelings are yours. Don't worry about me and mine. Mm-hmm. At this moment, I need to know what your feelings are. So whatever if they are, tell me. If I get mad, I'm gonna get mad. I'll get the fuck over it. I'm alive. I'm not dead. I'll get over it. Mm-hmm. Period. So again. My real friends know that. I don't have to explain it to nobody. That's where the, the, the conflict resolution comes in. So that in a nutshell, would you say just keep it real? 100, 1,000. Like, as, as, as easy it is, as it is for your body to involuntarily breathe, it should be as easy as it is for you to tell me what's on your heart. Now, I understand that is not, that is not the tea. That is not the ministry of everybody, <laughs> but it's my ministry to try to push that on everybody when they're talking to me. Um, next question was, my identity, is it important for me to let people know my identity? Yeah. No, not really, because you don't need to, my identity is my own. If I choose to let you know, then I will. Um, if I'm choosing to be a lover or to be a romantic or intimate selections with you <clears throat> I personally would choose to share that with you before we go any further but if you're going to be my friend my identity can be known to you in time but I don't need to give it to you up front um, it is a very need to know basis because if I feel that you give me the wrong vibe or you strike the wrong chord you don't even know who I am because we can just cut ties and be, and be cool you know, before you damage me or I damage you in whatever the the relationship may end up being, we can just cut ties right here, right now. Mm-hmm. Look, hold on. You cool? I'm cool. Sure. Um, and what was the last one? Sorry, I got caught up in the first two. No, it's okay. It was kind of blended. Um, basically, uh, how do your friends uh, 
treat you as your how, how you identify. I don't know, but the question is just like kind of just surrounding just identity and friendship, and if that's um, what that experience is it like mean, at, in any way you want to shape that answer. I, mean, I feel like the majority of my friends evolve with my identity. I feel, and I feel like when it comes to me talking to my friends and them accepting my identity, they've accepted it before I've admitted it. Um, what was the word you used before uh, accept it? Um, they, they evolve with my oh, thank identity. You. Um, you know, and because I tend to think that my identity makes itself known to other people before it makes itself known to myself. Um, I just always felt that I've just grown in the public eye and in the eyes of others before within myself. Um, and that's just, that's not arrogance. Uh, it's, but it's like blind ignorance, I guess, if you will. But I'm not choosing to be ignorant. It's, it's something that I've been trying to work on for the last 27 years. Uh, but I'm, I'm aware of it. It's a very weird complex. It's a very, very weird paradox. Mm-hmm. So since we finally get to talk one-on-one, because we talked about doing a show together or uh, you doing my show or coming on. I know we talked about doing something together. I asked you to do something because you identify as trans and I identify as trans and we are on similar, maybe different sides of the uh, scope of being trans and we have similar um, stories of being queens and this is a great time to talk about. So can we go there? Let's do it. Okay. So being a queen in Portland, what is that been like for you, especially as a trans queen? Oh, we're going we gonna for the question, question. Um, so, I don't feel like my experience has been a just experience. Um, I definitely Why you do that? Oh, is that a cocktail, bitch? Oh, shakataya, ishkataya. Ishkataya! Let me get my coffee there since we getting some uppers. <laughs> oh, no, that's a downer. I'm sorry. Oops. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes a, a, a cocktail will pick a bitch up. Oh, it's a nightcap at this point. <sighs> oh, see, I, you know, I stay up all night and I be asleep during the day. I give y'all a break during the day on Facebook. Oh, that's it, girl. Why? What's going down? Okay, okay, I got you. I know, but I understand. I know. I, I could, I could talk about mine live. I'm just lonely, looking for a husband. You know, I thought I had a husband, but you know. Um, Portland is a city that makes you 
choose to be either trans or a queen. Um, if you have succeeded in it thus far, you are lucky, you are blessed, and consider yourself one of the Clark sisters because you are blessed and highly favored. Because it ain't that easy for everybody else out here. Amen? Amen. Um, <clears throat> one of the downfalls being an establishment that is considered <clears throat> pillar of Portland and the Jackson, <clears throat> where I have not been so welcomed very early in my career, mind you. What a lot of people don't realize is I have been here over 10 years in the game now. I'm no, in no way saying I'm the best. But I am saying I have earned my place and I have earned my respect. In, in the sense that I did what every other queen did in Portland to get to where she should have been. In a sense, I performed at all the kitty clubs. I did, you know, I performed at all, everywhere that I could have as a youth. I watched all the queens perform from outside the bars. I followed them on, you know, on YouTube, on Twitter, on Facebook. I, you know, if they went live on Facebook, I would sit there and watch their videos. I would watch all the YouTube videos to get my makeup skills on point. I would make I would buy the tickets to the shows once I was 21 and sit front row and center and watch Sable Cities completely dazzle and illuminate every fucking stage she was on. You know, I got to see Tommy Girl light up the Red Cap Garage like it was her own backyard. You know what I'm saying? I got to see you light up the palace known as Darcelle's 15 show place like you were fucking Mary J. Blige herself. You know, like, I got to see all of these things, and I got to have all of these aspirations, yet when it came time for me to implement my own steppings, I fell off. I wasn't welcomed. Mind you, I made choices. What? I definitely made some choices. I, am I proud of them? It doesn't matter. I made them. I don't live with regrets. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, but I made choices. I found myself. I wasn't accepted and I wasn't welcomed. So then I created my own space where I was welcome, where I was accepted. Mm-hmm. And I was laughed at. I was belittled. I was badgered. I was teased. I was harassed. And then. I really don't know what happened, but it switched where people realized. I think it might have been when I won Gay Pride of Portland. What year was that? It was 2014. I was freshly 21, uh, like six months into being 21. And I was like, I'm going to do it. So I just woke up one day. I was like, I'm going to do Pride. Mm-hmm. And I looked to see when the interviews were. It was that day. Oh. And that was weird to me. And I went to interviews, and the rest of the literary history. 
how how was how did your friends how did your friends support you during that time? Um, I didn't pay a dime for anything that had to do with me running for pride. No, I mean during. I'm sorry. Let me be more specific. During the time that um, you saw these people who you aspired to be, and when it was your time to do your thing, when you say you uh, fell off, what was that? I did. That was uh, that time. I uh, that was that's what we call the Great Fall of Stephanie. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't have friends at that time. I had, excuse me, Juicy had created such an unlikable character for herself. Juicy being myself. And people told me that you know, if I kept it up, I wasn't going to have anybody, you know? And then my dad died. Hmm. I was 18 years old, 2011. Everyone that I thought was my friend was nowhere to be seen. Or if they were to be seen, they, had, they wanted nothing to do with me. And I couldn't blame them. Why? I was a horrible friend. What what rhyme or reason did they have to be there for me in my time of need when I was so disgusting to them? You know, and but I thought that that's what everybody wanted. I thought everybody wanted me to live in that drag persona. You know, I thought that that drag persona was, it was the Gigiana, you know what I'm saying? It was what everybody loved, the attention and the praise that I was getting. Being my drag persona, it was intoxicating. It was invigorating. It gave me life. One second, niece. Hold on, I think we need to go to a commercial break. Let's go, commercial break. I'm so sorry. So what was your experience like at the club? No, we have to save that for the show. What is Henry doing? She ain't running nothing. Henry, sit down. I'm just reading the question. I don't have to answer it. Okay, okay. You got ears for us, man. You got ears for us, man. I got an answer for that. That's true. Okay, well, wait after these messages. You can can go ahead and answer that question. You said what? I do love Henrietta's question. Okay, I'm gonna look at it while we while we go to break. Friends, how many of us have them? 
time we use it in the wrong way. Now you can look the word up again and again, but the dictionary doesn't know the meaning of friends. And if you ask me, you know I couldn't be much help because a friend's somebody you judge for yourself. Some are okay and they treat you real cool, and some mistake your kindness for being a fool. We like to be with some because they're funny. Others come around when they need some money. Some you grew up with around the way, and you're still real close to this very day. Whole boys through the summer, winter, spring, and fall. And then there's some we wish we never knew at all. And this list goes on again and again. But these are the people that we call friends. Shaka Tayo, hey Annie, I see you out there. Welcome to my uh my little uh podcast. We are live on Facebook. All right. Yes. Stephanie Calhoun, yes. Oh, let me pin that. Why can't? How do I um? Can I what? Oh, pinning is on what am I calling? Shit. Oh, pin is coming. It's right here. Okay, there you go. Yes. Make sure you tip my niece, Miss Stephanie Calhoun. Yes. All right. So let's get back into the conversation at hand. So we were talking about a number of things on tonight, but we left off with your experience. Is this okay? What are we doing? Wait, no. You sideways, but yeah. There we go. There we go. Okay, maybe I should step back too, because I'm all the way up into the... Oh, no, you was cool. Oh, I was? Okay, okay. I was hurt, so I had to put you down. Okay. Because I can't really see myself, so I got my other little thing over here to where I can see myself. But, yes. Welcome to the common room. Welcome to the common room. The, yeah. <laughs> I live the common room. I got to use that. Welcome to the common room. Okay. So, go ahead, Stephanie, and um, you can start off where you left off at, if you can recall. Oh, yes, that's what we're talking about. Okay. Henrietta said, what was your experience like at the club? Because you ran for Rosebud and you were very in the public eye. I'm curious as to what that was like for you at an early age. Okay. Uh-huh. I ran for Rosebud. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was it? I ran for Rosebud 35 was the number I ran for. I lost. But I got Miss Congeniality. First um, Jack Pageant I ever ran in. But I'm proud to say that my mother was there. And when they called my name for Miss Congeniality, the whole club was, was quiet. And then my mom stood up and yelled, that was, that's my juicy. Uh, I remember vividly to this day. Um, so that night just changed my life forever. 
I was an entertainment for my mom. And that's what I was supposed to do. So that was a, a blessing. I got to show my mom what I was born to do. And there I was 18 years old. So that was, that was great. But also at the club, it made me the club mother. Uh, it, just, it just it happened so organically. And did you say, I'm sorry, did you say the club mother? Yeah, yeah. Uh, essentially, that's what it was. Everybody called me mama. Um, if you didn't have money to get into the club, you know, for the, for the cover, it came out of my pocket. Um, I had, a, you know, I had, I had a place that was my own, you know, that was my lease. If I was heading home from the club and you had, were still at the club and you you know, like, you couldn't go home because of whatever your parental situation was, mm -hmm. or you didn't have, you know, bus money. I either gave you bus money or you came in the car that I was riding in to my house and I gave you bus money after you got yourself a good night's rest. You know, like, I just, I, I never left a soul untouched. Um, and the night after I won Rosebud, I slept in Paranoia Park next to the club because I was homeless at the time. Even though my mom had came to the club. My mom, you know, she lived in uh, subsidized housing, you know, uh, housing authority of Portland, or home forward, as it's called now. Um, you know, and it was a studio apartment. You know, you have to be over the age of 55 or disabled to live in one of those buildings. Um, and, I had clawed my way up from being homeless. You know, I, I did the hustle. I, 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 I was a sex worker. That's what I did. Made my money. I got my own place. I got a Section 8 voucher at the home. And I became a mother to the club, essentially, in every way. Every capacity, every age, whether they were older than me, substantially or not, they still call me mom. Even to this day, I'm 27 years old. My oldest child is 53. So, as a, as a trans woman of color, you you were uh, respected coming up. Absolutely, absolutely, in in the sense of, of being a mother. Um, I like to tell people I have the experience of being a house mother because that's exactly what it was. I never, my children were my children, they, all my children, even today. My, you know, all my drag kids, I had drag kids and I have street kids and I have trans kids. I, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm a trans parent people in the, in the sense that I helped foster them during their transition. You know what I'm saying? Street kids, when I was on the streets, living on the streets, they were my kids. We were our family. If I ate, they ate. If I had money, they had money. And vice versa. You know, my drag kids, these are are souls that came to me and said they wanted the gift of drag. And I had been blessed with that gift. So I had gave it forward and I prospered it. Mm -hmm. And I, I didn't give them, you know, I didn't hand them a whole gift with a bow on it. 
and I gave them a C and a hoe and said, here you go. You reap what you sow, what you're going to do with it. Mm-hmm. And that's what I do. You know? And yeah. If I didn't have the club and I didn't have that pageant at such a young age, I don't know you and I would be having this conversation. Somebody else asked the question. The street kid community wasn't it was an another entire group. I feel like back then it was more of a group effort of care. All the kids pulled together. I will have to agree with that because my children are uh was around in that era, uh and my nieces, uh Anastasia, um Trina Divine, uh Yes. I ran for Rosebud would have been her 10 year anniversary. anniversary. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. my daughter, Trina Devine, was 26. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was it was crazy um, to see. I think, I think even when um, there was a, a scandal that went down, all the entire young kids stuck together. They went in. And, and that's when I was like, damn... It reminded me of the days of the old Escape. Was it Escape or Club Z? No, old old Escape. Yeah, the old Escape way up on. Um, yeah, you could have been the city or Club Z. It was the city then, way back with Lady O. Yeah, the city. And I had a boyfriend. Oh, back in the day. Oh my goodness! Y'all not gonna do me greasy. Listen, I had you know. Listen, okay. So anyway, we're gonna move on. Um, you got a husband named Ty, so you better keep it pushing with the story now. Oh, 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 this might be fate. Me and my husband and stuff. This might be fate. Hey, Henry, you and okay. So listen, Linda, listen. Um, no, you listen, Linda. You better get on with this damn story before you get trouble. Okay, so listen, Club Z. I that's when I saw. Young people have like power and freedom, and just it was crazy. It was just really crazy to see all them young kids out that that late and partying. And then for the straight—I mean, not the straight club, but the older gay club—to be right across the street, it was it was really different. I ain't seen no shit like that ever nowhere. And then I just learned the history that I think City Nightclub was the one and only, or one of the or the first underage club right yeah yeah so i was like bitch portland just been making noise since since forever the stonewall ages bitch maybe we like if it wasn't if stonewall wasn't the reason there was a movement for it we want to be let me tell you that um you know because uh i like to think that a lot of the country likes to discredit portland for what it actually can be Number one, the most racist city in America. If you're not ready to put that conversation, get off the slide. Number two, uh, the most strict clubs per capita. If you, again, if you're not ready for that conversation, get off the slide. Number three, the sheer, sheer disillusion to the homeless population. Again, if you don't want to talk about this, go ahead and get off the slide. So, Portland has been known for many things and many, and, and, a lot of people like to be willfully ignorant to it. And we won't call it arrogance because they're not being mean about it or malicious. So 
people say willfully err ignorant because they're being nice about it when they're ignoring. And you can't tell there's a lot of sarcasm off my tongue while saying this. Mm-hmm. Um, but Portland has and will always hold on to that white savior complex, no matter what it is. Mm-hmm. It could be like it could be a black man in his sixties saving two six-year-old white girls, but let a twenty-two-year-old white man come along to take that black man to the hospital. Who gonna get the story on KTW at eight o'clock? So, niece, so I'm glad we're talking about this and the conversation is going in this direction. You mentioned uh, a couple things. Uh, we started off talking about uh, when I asked you about your trans experience. That's where because we were going to have this conversation and have a group discussion with other trans girls. Uh, being that we have this space and opportunity to talk about a lot of people uh, have. I've, well, I want let me scratch. I realize that many people don't know about transgenders and they don't know the struggles that they endure and so they attempt to do things that are inclusive and they still miss the mark how do you feel about that why why would they know about us when we're so we are so hung up and gung-ho on the fact of not necessarily wanting to tell everybody who we are one more time you kind of faded out so why why would they know more about us when we are not so gung-ho about telling them who we are? Um, this might be a controversial topic, but I am secure enough in my life and my transition to go ahead and talk about this. If you admit to yourself that you are trans. I, Stephanie, believe you should be able to admit that to others out loud. That does not mean that you are required to give others a definition, that you are required to give others this precursor or whatever. But I believe what should should be automatic is for you to be like, I'm trans. Cool. Now it's on them to understand what you're saying. Now it's on them to learn what you mean by that definition. Because there's no one universal way to say somebody is trans. One person, one trans person's journey is not going to be the same as another. You're a trans woman. I'm a trans woman. Your journey is not my journey. And that's not being disrespectful. That's being respectful in the highest court. Your journey is not mine. I was born way after you. Again, not being you know, disrespectful, mm-hmm. but you are from a different era than I am. So what your trans experience and your trans journey, it will always be different than mine. It will never match mine. What can match mine is our energies for us to go forth and follow our trans journeys, but our journeys will never match up to the same steps. 
Would you say that applies to other demographics or other type of examples of like younger people, like younger black people and not who are not trans? Because I find that same type of uh, mindset and think. like that breakdown. I'm glad you did. I'm so glad you did. You did it so eloquently because I would have fucked it all up and said some hood shit. But um, so there was two directions that I wanted to go to when you discussed that. Um, I really wanted to talk about. Oh, no, no, you good. Um, so I, there was two directions that I felt like we could go with the conversation. And the and one was the homelessness and the youth and being that uh, the number um, the highest amongst the homeless are youth. GLBTQ youth at that. And the other one was about um sorry. Where did I write it at? Ah, uh, 
just oh oh yes the the trans era that was the other three so you can choose which would, where would you like to go i really would like to go down the um the lane of um your experience I'm, I'm, open. I'm an open book you're picking my brain what you want to know okay um I've been watching this nonprofit organization called Trans Hope. Um, they just built um, an op uh, organization that helps transgenders um, and provides a space for them to live there for a whole year to help them get on their feet. And it's been weighing on me because of my connection or um, because I identify as trans and I am not homeless, I've never been homeless, um, but I do work in the field and have found people to be homeless. And of uh, uh, course, this summer, I fed the homeless. And I also, there's, I'm also part of this group uh, on Facebook. It's, a, um, I forget the name of the group, but it's basically for GLBTQ homeless or those housing, GLBTQ housing, something like that. And the number, per, number one group of people who were in need of housing were trans trans black PPLC. So I'm like, well, goddamn, if it's happening over in Atlanta, Georgia for a trans hope, something doing for them, then what can we do for trans here? Since there is a great need here. So I hate to even tell my little idea because I don't want nobody to take it, but shit, the shit needs to get out there. First and foremost, Portland needs to actually use the money that they get for us towards us. And not towards the white comfortability of people that have the power over That's the first and foremost thing that is Elaborate on that. Um, okay, it's cool. I will. Um, when I was younger, and uh, I was a part of the homeless youth continuum in downtown Portland, which meant that uh, the homeless youth continuum was a coalition between Al-Qaeda, New Avenues for Youth, and uh, the Native American uh Youth and Family Association, MAP, uh, and each respective organization, they would talk to each other and they would work with each other, but they also offered case management and housing and different various uh, services. Mm -hmm. I received them through Outside In. Uh, they really helped me get back on my feet. They helped me get my second name voucher. Mm -hmm. They helped me whenever I needed to uh, you know, the shelter, which was Fort uh, White Street Light. Fort uh, White was the emergency day-by-day um, first-come-first-serve shelter, where Street Light, you had a reservation for 30 days or more based off of your case manager. Uh, and so, but let's say you were going to Fort White and you are on the wait list for a reservation of street light, then they wouldn't limit how many days you can stay in Fort White because you were waiting to get your street light. You feel me? Uh -huh. um, other than that, if you weren't getting case management home but on a reservation, then you could stay at Fort White for like 15 days out of the month. Uh, Essentially, you had to find, you know, sleeping over for housing for the other 15 days because, simply put, they just didn't have the funding to cover you for a full 30 days because it was 
ultimately an emergency shelter, basically. Um, but I identified as trans during this time. Um, I've always been black. So I've always identified as black, um, multiracial specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've always been a multiracial person. Uh, and working with outside in, I have done a multitude of things. Um, I worked with them to rob me for treatment for health care down at the, the state capitol in Salem, Oregon. Um, and personally, I cornered the governor of Salem, uh, the governor of Oregon at the time, Governor Kitzhopper, about increasing the trans inclusivity of the healthcare bill uh, known as racism, I think it's called racism, whatever the technical name for Oregon Health Plan is. So I did that kind of lobbying. I wrote many of grants to help the continuum receive funding uh, for trans-specific youth. And I personally never well, how that money was necessarily being used. Um, so it just seemed like it just got thrown into the conglomerate um, and could be easily written off as, oh, there's trans, you know, there's brown, you know, trans people that are in this conglomerate that we're using this money for. So, you know, they're included, so we don't have to show you anything. Essentially, it's what it, it feels like it came down to. Uh, because I kept seeing my, my brothers and sisters on the street. I kept seeing my brothers and sisters being forced to selling black market hormones, to selling their bodies, to, you know, selling knickknack items they got from Goodwill across the street from the downtown library, you know, because that Google was the high end of the bill, so if they got something from there, it would have worth some money and not two dollars. You know, I've I've sat at the park blocks on the north and the south end of downtown Portland and seen my brother and sisters trading their food stamps for money to be able to use drugs to forget about the situation or to get a hotel room with them because they were pregnant with their first child and they could clean. I've seen the struggles. I've seen the struggles of my friends who got swallowed up, consumed by addiction, finding a dirty needle on the street and using it because they were the only one they had. And for the record, she's no longer here. I've seen it time and time again. I've seen it from the bottom. I've seen it from the top. It's not pretty. And quite frankly, you're not like one second, Nacy. Um, I think it's coming to the end of the uh, first segment of Truthful Tuesday. So we got to take another break. One second. Uh, you got me on the stand. That was a that was a moment, darling. I'm 
I should have had this ready, but I was so intrigued in the conversation. Hi, uh, Miss Athena, girl. All right, we will go to a break and we'll be right back after these messages. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back on the ones and twos with the one and only. She's a daughter. Oh, girl. So we have joined back into the um, the set of Truthful Tuesday. We are talking with the one and only Miss uh, um, Stephanie Calhoun, darling. She's in the building. Miss Gay Pride, 2014. And so, before we go further, I am not a daughter. I am a niece. First and foremost, I know my place. I'm just stating there was conversations. See, Henry's a, a Henry's a shit starter. Henrietta, she's a shit starter. She's a you know we're gonna talk about this. Oh, okay. She, she tries to interrupt things. See, because she asked me the same question. To a lot of people have asked me about uh, being one of my children, and I had to start really considering that being a house mother and taking it seriously because a couple different reasons. I'll be honest with you guys. Um, My children helped me be a better mother, and because because I was a young mother, there was a lot of things that I did not do right, and they gave me grace, and they gave me mercy, and uh, I had to earn their respect because of my neglect. Yeah. And so being that they uh, opened up to me and trusted me to be someone to really tell them when they're wrong and be able to do that with love and sternness and then in, in a loving way or whatever, they allowed that to happen. And it didn't happen overnight. It took a lot of rough nights. It took a lot of personal things coming up. It took a lot of uh, forgiving. It took a lot of um, growing up for both, of, or not both of us, but each, me and each individual kid. And um, uh-huh. they've been through things with me together. Um Many of my kids have been there when I either almost died or uh, I went through some really, really, really trying times. And they many times my kids fought for me. And uh, not to say that that's what constitutes a kid, but I'm just saying that from not speaking for them, but hearing their, their them, they talk highly of me, they put in their work and they put in their dues and they built a rapport and a relationship. And I know their family. I know their their full names. I know who they are and I know their character and personality. And so they also told me with that being said, because you know of us, you can't just put anybody in with us because we just as long as it took for us to get along, it's going to take even longer for us to get along with some new people. And we... I feel, I, I felt that in my spirit. Like, I felt that in my spirit from the first time you put makeup on my face. And that's why after that first time of that conversation, when I told you, I was like, I know I'm your daughter, you was like, oh no, uh-uh. And I said, okay, I'll be your niece. That's why I've always just ran with the niece part. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm and and here and i try to tell also tell this story too um 
I, I try to give two different stories. One is me and my birth given grandmother, we have a connection that's not like me and my mother. And she treats me as if I'm her, her son and not her grandson. And uh, sometimes it's better to be a grandchild than it is to be a child because sometimes you get better perks. Sometimes the bond is better than even the own child. Not to say that that's the case. Or sometimes it could be like, you know, like say you have siblings and you the favorite uncle, favorite auntie, or you the favorite niece or nephew. And you just got that connection. You're one of the only nieces or nephews that got that connection with auntie or somebody's grandmother or somebody's mother. Even though they got children, you still the one up under the wing getting ripping all the, the benefits, the snacks and the cookies and things and all the treats and stuff. So I learned to appreciate that. And I also learned to appreciate this, too. Uh, the person who I wanted to be my mother, her name is Nicole Love Dupree. And I asked Nicole Love Dupree to be my mother because she was tall she did Whitney Houston. She was transgender. She was very kind and sweet to me. And every time I saw her, she was kind and sweet to me and took pictures with me. And she knew I wanted to be her kid. And she told me no. And she told me why. I ain't gonna say why, but she told me why. why. And I respected that. And I had to let that be. Um, I even also asked Stasha Sanchez to be my mother. And she said no. And, uh, and she just said her reason was she just simply had too many kids. And I get that. Now that I'm a mother and I've been a mother for years, over uh, over 15 years, I can say that having a lot of kids is not the business <laughs> because it is a responsibility. It's just like having a friendship or a relationship. The more you spread yourself thin to other people, it is not going to be good on your mental to be able to have to not necessarily switch codes, but work with that person's personality or how they how they work. You know, you gotta you gotta meet people where they are. So that's if you the more kids you have, you have to lot of you have to make time for a lot of meetings. And sometimes um, one kid can need more attention than the other. Okay, say it now, but now look now. I I became a drag mother way before my time. I shouldn't have been a drag mother when I became a drag mother, but I did. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't change it for the world. I have like my my first drag child ever in his life is Sugar Bill. Sugar Bill, I am the one that put her in drag for the first time ever. I am the one that gave her the gift of drag respectfully. She'll tell you the same thing that I did. I am, you know. Mm -hmm. Being her drag mother. I didn't want to let her down. I didn't want to fail. I didn't want to be the mother figure that I had already seen up to that point. Okay. Not that they weren't good enough. Mm -hmm. They just weren't the mother I wanted to be. Mm -hmm. and, and that's just... And she gave me the gift of parenting because it just... I literally saw her as my child, and it sparked. Mm -hmm. And the gift of parenting just instilled in me from then on, and I just had that gift to be able to do that. And doing so, 
having her drag mother helping her through pageant and performances and performances and performances and heartache and school and family job, family ties, all of this thing there, it made me realize and appreciate the relationship that I had around. And at that time, you were one of them. And it's what made me really appreciate the bond that we had as auntie and niece. Because what that meant is that we had the freedom to go as far or as little as we wanted without any actual obligations. Because when there was a time where I needed somebody, you were there. When there was a time where I needed somebody to sing with, you were there outside smoking a blunt with me. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. When there was a time when I needed someone to be like, no, bitch, you acting real stupid. Why are you saying that gossip to me and you ain't got nothing to fucking validate it with? Why are you saying it to me? Uh, you know, it's not having that mandated relationship allowed me to have the best relationship with you. I made I made teams, you know, that like I wanted to be your daughter, like ha ha he he he. Look, I, I would be the one that never was, bitch. <laughs> but don't get it twisted. I I would if 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 I could just do it just my way, I would accept everybody as my kid. But and, and I want to say, I think I want to say it's an honor, and it is is very much an honor, and is a a, a privilege to to be looked up to like that. Very much so. You have you have no idea, like you like. There are two things that you have done in this lifetime that I can call out right now that have changed my life indefinitely. Period. And the honorable mention at this point is your voice. Thank you. The first moment was when you became within Magnavik International. That moment. It was the, the look on your face. I don't think a lot of people give you credit enough for that. The look on your face when you heard your name, it wasn't the feeling or the emotion that you'd want to patch it. It wasn't the feeling or the emotion that you would gain the respect of peers you were really working with. It was the pain. It was the pain that had driven you into the dirt finally raised you up into the light. And for an outsider, without knowing the conversation that we've had about that moment, to an outsider, it was like you were seen for the first time as if you were Harriet Tubman looking at the Son of Freedom. And the second time, was the speech you gave the first time there was an HIV awareness pageant. Those two moments were so deep and so pivotal to my rounding in my life in general. Uh, and I just 
I need you to hear from someone in my generation to you. Thank you. Your struggles have not gone without notice. The ripple effect of your pain isn't being ignored on my pain receptor. The revenue that I'm able to embrace and embody because of the suffering and pain that you went through and the trials and tribulations that you stumbled through on the paper, I thank you. I couldn't have my life if it wasn't for you. So I need you to know that while I might sit here in this whole conversation, this whole gigi on it tonight or whatever it is, the trials and tribulations I might have gone through, the pain and suffering I might have gone through, in my mind, is only a fraction of what you have gone through. So you won't hear me complain. But what you'll hear me say is that I understand. Because I can't complain to you. I can complain to somebody else. But I can't complain to you because you know. So complaining to somebody that knows they ain't going to do nothing. So if anything, I'm going to say thank you and how you do it. Can I have some advice? Because I can't throw you away because... What I'm about to go through, you've already done. So if I throw you away, that's the only way my answer, and I'm going to put the stuff. I'm going to look like a fool, because I could have figured it all out, but I decided not to. It's not the kind of party. It's not. I was not... I was not... I was not expecting to hear that. I was not expecting to hear none of that. Um, but thank you, um, very much. La film. I mean, what can I say? You've, you said it. Um, I was trying to, um. I achieved the title of the film Magnifique International 2012 uh-huh. as a result of not giving up uh-huh. because I knew that I was talented um, but I didn't understand why I was not winning or why um, I did not get certain people's approval. I did not know what I was doing wrong, no one would ever show me uh, because of my attitude, because of everything that I was going through. I was really hurt. I was depressed.
and I just wanted to be amongst the elite who I thought were elite um, or I, who I really looked up to. And I had to learn that people are just humans just like me and they got things that they have to work on too. And it's, I just wanted to be amongst a group of people that I saw myself in or I thought I could be like. And along the way, people told me, you don't want to be like so-and-so. You don't want to be like that. People like you for you. And I didn't know that. I didn't realize that until I won. Look at him. I didn't. A lot of people don't know that. Um, when I was running for a drag race, that I couldn't get dressed in my own mom's house. And my grandmother had came to the house one day to give me a meal. And, uh, I ignored, I ignored her for 30 minutes outside of my mom's house because I was in drag trying to get ready to go to drag race. And it was really hard because I talked this thing about being a bad bitch and I was a bad bitch, but I couldn't be honest and real with my family. Because I was afraid to get kicked out. Afraid to go through some of the things you young people have been through. Right. Homeless and all of that. And I, we're all strong in so many different ways. But I, I really am. It took a lot for me to win La Femme. I had to be okay with myself. And the reason why I broke down at La Femme. Because I finally got my mom's. It was like I got my mom's approval. And I got my own blood, black family, at a drag pageant. Oh yes, you know because that's a feeling itself. Because we won't discredit what it's like to be in any part of the gay community of the alphabet that we consider LGBTQ plus, and being black. It's one if you can successfully be LGBTQ plus and black, you are blessed. That's so what. I that. That's what that felt. I was when they first met me. 
So I'm going to walk in with my church lady hat on <laughs> and my heels and my gown and be slaying the house down boots. Mm-hmm. But I'm also hood enough to go ahead and put these bitches in their place inside the house of the Lord and they say some sideways to me. Mm-hmm. We just don't need to do all of that, so I just don't go. But they know my heart. I've talked to them. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just... One day I'll go. And that's an internal struggle. You know what I'm saying? And that's something that I still struggle with. Mm-hmm. Do I understand what it's like to be, you know, black and LGBTQ? And, but one thing I will never know, though, is... Is what my white passing privilege allows me to not know. Because I have a white mother and I had a black father, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was 13, that people believed that I was black. So, like, I mean, I looked like fucking L.A. Reed's wife, Pebbles, on Pebble Tone, until I was 13 years old. <laughs> and then I got some color. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. it was. Colorism is a very real thing. Let's, let's just put it out there. Color, colorism is a very real thing. It definitely um, is. Because I have. I know people who are your complexion and darker mm-hmm. who don't think that I'm a real black person because of how light I am. Because I look more like the cream in their coffee than the coffee in their cream. Girl, let me get my refill. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Can I get a refill? I can still hear you, though. Know, it, it's not easy. Can you tell me about that? Can we t- talk about that? Dive into that? Oh, yeah. You, you know... It's not easy being a person, a human in this world. Let's get that out of the way. Mm-hmm. To be a human in this world is hard. Now, hey, everybody. To be, a, to be a multiracial person in this world, in my experience, is harder or has been harder than being a single race person. Okay, let's talk about that. Um, you know, I mean, I've already touched base on it. You know, like, my dad is a black man from East LA, served in the Vietnam War, with a crack addict from 19 until four days he died. He died at the rightful age of 63. You do the math. My mother, when she died in January of this year, was 62. Just over a month shy of her 63rd birthday. With a white woman. You know, her, her mother was white, German and Irish. Her dad was Scottish, I think. Her stepdad was Jewish. So... Just white on white on white on white on my mom's side. I grew up with, you know, two of I have five sisters, but I grew up with two of them in-house. One being similar complexion to me, mm-hmm. and one being white as snow. We all have the same mom, different dads. 
in our house, there was no house. There were no steps. If you're a sibling, you're a sibling, period. Mm-hmm. And if you try to diversify that, what got diversified was your ass. And that's on period. Right. Um, <clears throat> so whenever my sisters would come and pick me up from school, I never got teased. And my sister Jenny, who was the darker one, the black one, and she picked me up because we looked like we, we, we were related, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and my sister Crystal came and picked me up, the white one. She was the maid's child. She wasn't even the maid. She was the maid's child. Mm-hmm. I went to Vernon Elementary. Okay. I had a cousin with there. Vernon is not a school <laughs> with a class status high enough to have families to have enough money to be able to hire a fucking maid. But my sister was the maid's child. And that came from faculty. Not not my peers, not my friends. That came from faculty. I, all my life, I have either been too white for my black parent, or I've been too black for my white parent. The number of times where my mother wasn't allowed to pick me up from daycare or school or any other godforsaken fucking place that my parents sent me, whether it had been a church camp, a regular, you know, summer camp, or, you know, a, a class at Multnomah County Library during the summer, or TLC, TNT, whatever the fuck was happening in the city of Portland, it it got to the point where my my parents had to learn who the head counselors of the people in charge were for them to be able to know who had to come and get me. Because mm. uh, Portland is that diversified and racist. Uh, they were not going to let a white woman pick up a black child. If the people, if the group I was was predominantly black and ran by black people, if it was predominantly white and ran by white people, yeah, my mom came and got me because they were not going to let my dad come and pick up a white child. I, even when I, when I was thrown into the system and, you know, foster care system and I had to choose between my parents, I remember sitting in front of the judge. And the judge, you know, told me to pick and decide. Do you want to go whether you're respectable, respectable white mother, or your disgraceful colored father? To hear a judge call my dad colored on record, in person. showed me not saying anything because I didn't say a word. How could I answer? I looked at my mom and I looked at my dad and after that court case, after that hearing, both of them said to me that they weren't mad because it it was stacked against me. He wanted me to say my white mom. 
he didn't want to call him by, he called him Cuggard. Like, and I don't think, like, I'm not that old, okay? Like, I'm not, I'm 27. This happened when I was 12. Oh, wow. Okay? So, not that old, 15 years ago. Okay? 15, almost 16 years ago. Mm-hmm. Is when this happened. That a sitting judge called my father a colored man in court and got away with it. How do your peers feel about you being multiracial? Most of my peers, they celebrate it. They love it. Because I asked, the reason why I asked that because you go in, you use the N-word and say what you feel and I never saw anybody clap back at you using the use the word nigga. And and you, you speak so freely with it. And uh you and I feel different on that, so but you don't have to feel no kind of way uh on, on here. You can feel free. This is uncensored. I, I respect I respect your feelings on it though. Yeah. I, I respect your feelings and I wish I could have those same feelings. Mm-hmm. I wish that I had the same feelings about that word. Um I've tried changing my ways and I don't know why it just doesn't work so I just try to limit how much I say it I'm gonna be be real 100 with you cause I hear it so much now in music I hear it in other friends who say it all the time and some people who try to test me just as a friend they be like alright and or like they were sorry (laughs) <laughs> my mom is a movie fanatic and she likes this movie called Antoine Fisher because of this one part in the movie that the mom always says nigga, nigga nigga, get off nigga and sometimes I can understand like I like the word bitch and motherfucker and sometimes like Monique said sometimes if you put bitch on the end of a word it just makes it, the sentence that just much better bitch and so sometimes when a motherfucker say there was one time even recently I had to just bust out and be like, nickel. And I did not want to do it, but I went there and I was like, oh, shit. It just crushed me. I'm like, you hypocrite, bitch. But I was like, I had to get it out because it was a, the joke was not going to hit right if I did not say it. It was just me and my homegirl, my best friend. But still, I get it. My thing is, is like now I've, I've tried to find it in ways to transform it. So we're, we're, where I'm like... I'm getting the point of girl, like, you know I'm saying, nigga, but yeah. I ain't actually saying it, you know, mm-hmm. like, my drunk persona is Monica. Okay, Monica. Monica. I'm a bust down your door and smack your chick, but you know the Monica ain't having it. But if you say Monica slowly, slowly sound it out. Ma. Monica. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Okay, I can see it. Monica. 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 Okay, okay, you ignorant. You so ignorant, girl. You so ignorant. I love it, girl. As a matter of fact, that's what we're going to go to on the break because I have to listen to my Monica. That's, that's what we're going What's it called? Silly of me. Yes. I'm so what you need to listen to those trenches. Trenches. Oh, I like that. I like that. Um, 
Well, I guess we can't cover everything. We'll probably have to do a part two or whatever, but... Um... What do you mean we can't cover everything? I'm still here for it. Okay, okay, we can keep going. We can keep going. Let me, hold on. Let me, let me see what we got. Let me see what we got. Let me see what we got. You tired? Because I ain't tired. Okay, we got 32 minutes, but we're going to go on to the little break. And we're going to get on down to City of Me. Oh, girl, these people always want to do something on the commercial breaks. Okay. For those who are just tuning in, we're on a break from Truth for Tuesday right now. I'm here with the one and only Stephanie Calhoun. <laughs> yes. Um. Let's see who's still up in the building tonight. I say, hey, Ramon. I see you, Amy. I'm gonna end up fucking up again, and my little thing is gonna get knocked down. So I might as well not even touch the goddamn camera. Girl, she had me breaking down and shit. You wanna go to the LaFilm Magnifique things and the Miss Uh? Hey, Gabby Burn. Hey, but no, I was really proud of my daughter Cree and proud of Alexis for doing the um, HIV and uh, AIDS awareness pageant. I thought I was like, wow, they really thought about a bitch. Like I was so shocked. Like sometimes you could be in the w- field and not even realize that people are watching the work that you in, and they carried on the torch. They, I, I got out of it around the time that they really took the torch, and it was just, it was really good to see that. Somebody's younger than me, and they're so powerful and how they... Honestly, that first year wouldn't have been able to happen without you and the madam. If we're being honest, like, your speech and her being emeritus, it was a moment, and I don't think it was a moment that was justly viewed. I don't feel like it was as, as appreciated as it should have been. But but I know that it was still appreciated mm-hmm. by enough people to be accepted for the moment that it was. But when I tell you by a paragraph and a half, if that into your speech, you had a bitch in tears more so than when I lost my mother on the 20th of January this year. Like, you did that. Like, you, whether you have the gift of gab every time that you want to use it, you always have the gift of words. Bitch, you can write, you can write some shit. I don't know why you ain't like fucking Priscilla Renee and fucking Diane Warren like I taught you last week. But, uh, bitch, you, ho, you can write. Thank you. Like them hoes, so like, look, you know, I can say, you know, I can bust me a note. I need a song, bitch. <laughs> we, need a, we need a session. Let's just have a session where we just put it together and like. Okay, so you would be down for that? Um, baby, I'm down like four flats on a lack in the hood. Okay, what's good? Okay. Like, let's put it. Let, look, let's put the pedal to the metal. Let's run the wax, the midnight oil, like. I will come over in my mask and sit up six feet away from you. Henry got a question, child. 
She said, uh, 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 Miss Dumore was emeritus. Dumore was emeritus. Learn your history, girl. Yes, child. Yes, when Alexis Campbell started. Um, uh, she, she wants to join the session with us. She needs, she needs the recording studio time. I mean, I have my ward over there. I don't, it's on the ward over there. Oh, Henry, girl. Henry, girl. She's high. She's smoking the weed. She must be. Le, she was you know LaFemme after me, girl. You know what that tells me? She's in bed, cuddled up with, with her little boot thing, smoking some weed. Mm-hmm. Talking about, are we just going to burn the out? See, that's what happened. Girl, she called me earlier with, with all these speaker volume tees and things and talking about your phone. You sound like you're far back. Bitch, it's you. It's your phone. You're crazy. <laughs> I mean, bitch, we all crazy. It's just who can fucking handle it at the time when we peaking. <laughs> well, I couldn't take her, her peak because she was killing me. Girl, I said, okay, I'm, I'm pressing here right now. I got to go. Do the original winners or HIV awareness still get recognized? I don't know. That's a beautiful question to ask your friend Alan. <laughs> so, um, anyway, uh, you know, uh, well, those are two different pageants, Quiet is Kept. <laughs> Technically, they are two different pageant systems that have the same name. They're a slightly different. One was one was the original, the OG. The other one is an adaptation. We won't call it an evolution, but we'll call it an adaptation. <laughs> because they're different. They're different. Evolution insinuates the things that remain the same, but something changes every year. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It, it is not an evolution. It is an adaptation. <sighs> God damn it, Henrietta. One was stolen by Trucker Share. Oh, my God. This messy bitch. Okay, so let's... See, she wants to get a bitch off track anyway. So let me see. She want to go there. Let's talk about this. No, no, hold on. Pause. Pause, okay? You didn't have to read it that loud like that. You could have fucking screamed the goddamn fucking comment before you just said it that loud. I'm sorry. You got to be that kind of nigga right now. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But since she want to go there, I, I got to clap back. I got to clap back. Henrietta's a mess. She's been very messy. And what kills me for Henrietta to be so messy, huh? For Henry to be so messy, you know, 
Girl, I'm not gonna, I don't even know how she's gonna take this, but she's been messy tonight. She's really been messy. But this this uh little chihuahua over here. <laughs> That's what Henrietta gives me, girl. She gives me chihuahua teeth. She like the rah, 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 But then when you get that broom on her, or you get that water hose, girl, she gets just scattling. She girl, she runs back into a little cage. I can't take her. Later her after midnight. <laughs> Where she's pooping early in the morning. <laughs> no, she become a gremlin, bitch. You saw that movie. We saw that movie. Nigga Mowgli, get that nigga wet after midnight and fucking eating that nigga. She's changing into Kimberly Michelle, I'm saying. Oh, I'm weak. Not a gremlin. I'm done. I mean, I said what I said. I'm done. I'm so weak. Wow. This how you gonna do your viewer? <laughs> Girl, though, my viewer has been a mess. She has been a shit starter. I mean, right. And while your viewer up here acting like she ain't done the same shit on my live on Kimberly's live, on everybody else's live, but then want to go ahead and cop an attitude when somebody hops on her, talk about, like, you need to get out of here with all of that. Okay, we trying to keep it positive over here and things, and we're talking, talking about living life, and, you know, and she yeah. over here. Henrietta, this is a message from me to you. If you can't take the heat, stop stealing my sriracha. <laughs> What happened? <laughs> she said, did she say COVID don't exist? No. She said, speak on a time when I couldn't take the heat on live. It doesn't exist. Oh, well, I could name a time where she was burnt up. But we won't talk about 2016. It was a rough year for all of us. Oh. <laughs> I don't even know what happened in 2016, but whew. wait, that was the year I was fired. That was a good year. For you? <laughs> no, it was it was all bad. I guess 2016 was bad for everybody. She was living off of 82nd by the Popeyes by Madison High School. She wasn't a good year. Oh, oh my gosh. So, how's everybody doing? Is are we moving into Saturday morning? How's everyone doing? Is there who's making bacon and eggs today? Are you making brunch? You no, making my refrigerator's brunch? down. My refrigerator's busted. I can't do shit. Uh, we can go dine and dash with some IHOP. Well, I don't know, so. Okay, okay. Well, if my cousin don't come over in the morning and get me help me go get this solar tissue, bitch, I'm down. You need some toilet paper? I got you. <laughs> That's gonna be somebody make a meme. Hey, J. Michael Kid. Um, it was a wonderful year for me, Stephanie. What are you talking about? That was my first time watching Dave. 
Wait, I mean, if we are going to speak on me, at least tell the truth. Oh, here she goes, girl. Right, here she goes. Look, nobody was saying that was a bad house. What I'm saying is that that house was interesting. And what I'm saying is that before you moved into that house, I partied in that house mm. and made myself known in that house. Oh, you've been to that house? The Chateau? Oh. She was there. All right. No shade, Mama Shade. I'm just saying, 2016 was a year for all of us. Mm. She remember the year, honey. It was a random year, but she remembered the year. Oh, I remember what happened that year. Mm mm mm. Yes, hello, Mr. J. Didn't you be asleep? We all laid, laid owls up over in here. We is. He needs to be asleep. Why, Jay, you got work in the morning? No, he ain't got work in the morning, but he got to text me in the morning, so he got to get his sleep. Oh. <laughs> like I said, he's my special friend. Mm. Oh, you said that on record. All right. She said, all right, Courtney, that's on record. That's my special friend. I mean, you are off limits. You must leave him awake. I mean, leave him alone. Okay. What's that song by Halen Baylor? Can Can you reach my friend? He's the only one who can. <laughs> you, you know what I'm talking about. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, if we want to start pulling our song, we can pull these out the repertoire. Girl, you know I'm going to text you. Stop playing. Well, I'm waiting. <laughs> Look, Auntie, I need, to, I need to shut it down because this one actually likes me for, for me. He's actually a good Well, one. I appreciate you coming on to the Triple Tuesday uh, live shows and things in the podcast. And I will be posting up for Tuesday. So uh, just thank you for your kind words and um, everything. I had a blast. Thank you for your hour and a half plus time in commentary. You, you can have three and a half hours whenever you want for free. <laughs> I will only start charging you after the fourth hour. Amen. Okay. Amen. Amen. Jesus was what? A biscuit. Let him sock you up. I cannot take it. Bye, girl. Good night. Have fun with your friend. Bye, Jay. Now, hold on. Before we go anywhere, before we go anywhere, I want on record to show that you and I will be Gigiana soon, and we will be writing and singing and having all of the things and all of the stuff, because while this is fun for the book and all of that, my soul needs to be rejuvenated, and I need the moment that we captured on Facebook Live with you when we were singing. I need that again. Okay. I need, I need you. I need your voice, and I need that moment. So this is me telling you, and I'm telling you in front of the whole world. That okay. way you don't have to like act like you didn't hear me or you didn't see it. Cause no, bitch, it's on record. Okay, amen. Amen, amen. I'll do, I'll do you one better. I'll do you one better. How about this, sweet pumpkin? Since uh, we are moving into a digital world, 
Oh, this uh-huh. since we're moving into a digital world, this is breaking news. You heard it right here on Truthful Tuesday with the one and only Courtney Capri, Lady DUV, the baddest witch queen and dragon C. Coming Amen. into the new year, we will have a brand new project reunion where all of the former guests who have ever performed on the show shall be doing a digital show. And since we have a digital uh uh, uh, tech on on live right here. I'm just gonna um, I'm gonna see if Beauty Boys can actually pull that together. How about that? We have a representation of Beauty Boys right here who uh, have produced shows for Portland Girls. So why not? Bam. I'm here for it. I'm here for it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we can we can do some covers. We can do some originals, and we can do some fan favorites. Okay. Hey, I'm I'm with it. I'm with it. We're gonna work together, put it all together, and see what happens. You know, I have something coming up in uh, uh, March. Uh, March will be up my twenty. It's, it's, it's like a pivotal moment. Um, It's going to be my 10-year anniversary of being Sweetheart. It's also going to be, and I'm Sweetheart 23, uh, 20 years, 23 years. Tw- oh, you are? Oh, I'm aware. 23. I'm aware. Oh, okay. So 23 uh, represents um a, a lot of things for me. Um, 23 years is how old Courtney Capri Dove is. I started out 23 years ago. Uh, and it's just a milestone for a lot of things that uh have come. You know what? 23 is is a number of Jordan. 23 is Courtney Capri, the baddest bitch in drag MC, the lady (laughs) DUV. I know I switched it up, but I say what I said, and I mean what I said, and I say what I said, amen. Ishkotai? Yeah, so it's going down. But no, but so thank you for your generosity. Thank you for your pavement. Your tenacity, your continuous support, and just know that, like, whether or not you see my name come across a status or a like or your inbox or your text messages, just know that unless something big and drastic happens, like 9 11, to make it abundantly clear that I'm not in your corner. That, like, you can call me anytime, day, night. I don't care what it is. You got my number. You got my Facebook. You know how to get a hold of me. Right. Call me. I'm there. Okay. It's, it's unwavering. It's unequivocal. It's unyielding. It's undying. It's un-everything. Like, it's, it's there. And I just hope and pray that one day you understand and accept that my beacon to you is as strong as your beacon is to others. Thank and you. I can't do I can't do nothing but prove it to you. And that's what I'm going to continue to do because I've been doing so since you met me. Yeah. Um, and so with that, I'm gonna go ahead and leave you leave you be. I'm gonna go ahead and bless you, bless your heart and all your parts and everything you touch. <laughs>
now it's time for you to enjoy the fruits of your labor. And so on that note, I love you. I love everything you too. that you are, everything that you will become, and have a blessed night. Thank you. Nisa. Thank you, Nisa. I love you. And you have a good night, too. Bye. All right. Okay. Bye-bye, boo. My shit is always falling down. Bye, Jay. Oh, I guess I got still got people on here. I got to say bye to the people, huh? Okay. Okay. We're here. We're gathered here tonight. Oh, I can see myself. Oh, what was I doing down here? Can y'all see all that down here? Thank God I got on the gown. Well, that was very good. Uh, you guys give it up for my, my niece, Stephanie Calhoun. And special guest, Jay. And special guest, Henrietta. And all the people that came in through the building. I thank y'all for tuning in. Um, I'm about to roll me up another joint and write down my thoughts and things for uh, another pre-recorded episode of Truth for Tuesday. Um, yeah, wow. Thank y'all. This was really, really good. They had me breaking down and shit, breaking down and shit on a Saturday morning. I was not ready to break down and do all these things. But I will talk to y'all later. Deuces. The truth will set you free, won't it? Let's go.
Truth will set you free, water. 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 The truth will set you free, water. The truth will set you free, water. The truth will set you free, water.